Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Voth from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 56, which begins with a shot of the Crater Complex, also known as the Hamster Wheel, and ends with <laughs> Thor kicking butt. Uh, joining us on the show today and every day this week, we have Andrew Drosky, host of the Disney Animation Minute Essentials, and Joe Drosky, host of the Protagonist Podcast. And gentlemen, I can't get my sister to even listen to a podcast. How, to, tell me about like both of you getting into podcasting. How did this all happen? Well, when uh, we were going to start the Protagonist Podcast, I had a friend reach out who said, I've been getting really into podcasts and I want to start one. And I said, I've kind of been thinking the same thing. And we batted around some ideas. And then we both kind of thought, at first, we could probably edit this ourselves. And then we thought, no, that's foolish. <laughs> if we're going to be uh, <laughs> prepping the discussion for everything, we probably need someone else to, to jump on. And Andrew had been working, uh, do, doing some stuff in radio. So we reached out and said, hey, do you are, are you on board with trying to start a podcast? And now, Andrew, how long have we been going? Six years doing the Protagonist mm-hmm. podcast together? Uh, yes. That's awesome. Getting close to seven years. Yeah. Wow. So Andrew frequently is on the Protagonist podcast with me. And is uh, and also does a lot of the behind the scenes work for us on the protagonist podcast. Uh, and then uh, I can't remember how long it was after that. You started your own podcast as well. My wife and I, um, we started doing a Disney podcast, a, a movies by minutes for Disney animated movies. So that would have been a little while after my wife and I got married. So that should be 2017 for when that actually started. Nice. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing both of your perspectives as we dive into this minute in just one moment. You know, we have a great group of people over in our Discord server. I know a lot of you might, might be going, Discord, what's that? It's another social platform like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, stuff like that. But it's a place that's specifically designed to have communities. We love Discord. We love what it allows us to do and the conversations it allows us to have. So check it out. We'd love to have you over there. Uh, we're growing our group of Marvel fans there and would love to have more conversations in there. Just head to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on the Discord link. Welcome back. Let's just first dive right in. Uh, what did you most notice about this minute? What kind of le- leapt out at all of you? Well, part of it is, so I rewatched the whole movie and it made me eager to watch for Dutch angles. And I, I was actually started out, I was like, this minute doesn't have any Dutch angles. Um, so that was like, <laughs> as we were rewatching it just now, I was like, oh, wait, everything's flat. Everything's, uh, everything's even for this one. That may be a first. <laughs> it definitely seems that way in, when we get into the fight scenes. Because I know like when we had the first fight in Tunsgard and then we had the the stuff on Jotunheim, there weren't quite as many Dutch angles. So it, it feels like... Yeah, so they don't do it as much for the for the action. For the action scenes, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if it's one of those things that once it got pointed out, it almost like the reputation maybe outgrew the reality. <laughs> I don't know. There are a lot in here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty significant. So so my wife and I watched it together and she was the one who like brought it up. She's like, why is this so slanted all the time? I was like, oh yeah, they do that a lot in this one. <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Um, and sometimes it's like the focus is pulled so far forward that it's hard to tell. But if you like, if you look behind the actors and look at the horizon, you're like, yeah, it is really slanted. Right. (laughs) With, with this minute in particular, one thing that did stand out to me is that Natalie Portman has some comedic chops that I don't really think of her 
because um, you know, I think of her as the dramatic actress, because that's what I think the you know the majority of her roles have been. But she does a, a good little uh, punchy comedic line delivery in this minute. It's one of my favorite things in this minute. It makes me laugh so hard. Uh, just the way that she delivers that line on the phone to Eric, um, it's just it's hilarious, and probably why she you know uh, ended up in stuff like Your Highness. Yeah, you know, they they said hey. Maybe she could do some more comedy. And it's always good to see someone who's delivering comedy solo, right? Like, she's not playing off anyone else. She's not responding yeah. to anyone else. Like, it, it's a monologue. Um, and she's got good pacing and good timing with everything. And it, it does it does hit as a little bit of, of humor. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's one of the best moments in this minute. And we'll get to that in a second, for sure. Well, and so let's kind of start. I might be dating myself here, but we, we start with kind of the shot of the crater complex that uh, Andy has nicknamed the hamster wheel, which I think is an appropriate ham- way to I, Hamster cage, I call it hamster, the hamster cage. cage. Sorry, yeah. thank you. Because <laughs> of all the plastic tunnels? Because of all the tunnels are right, yeah. Well, and the first thing I thought is we get this kind of uh, moving up to see, you know, it's these bright white uh, tunnels against the darkness and the light. It, it gave, kind of gave me like a the the um complex the, stu- the complex that they're studying in ET. Mm. Uh, is that is that something uh you, you all could see there as well? Yeah, definitely. With like the the I don't know how to describe the tunnels, but you know they kind of like expand like a slinky. You know they kind of unfold. Yeah. Um, and they can they can fold them more compact, and so you see like quickly it's like okay they've they've done that kind of tunnel. So yeah. I, I think E.T. is a good reference point for that. That was definitely the visual reference that popped into my head as well, was, was the, the E.T. look. Yeah, I always think about the kid, or like when they take the van and drive off with that one of those tunnels hanging off the back of the van. And, you know, <laughs> there, there yeah. is something weird about this sort of thing that does feel very, I, I don't know, it's like a weird military thing, but it also feels very clinical, like they're sealing yeah. something off that's dangerous. And I think that's why it's interesting in a way you know there's something interesting about it yeah it feels like um containment in some way yeah 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 yeah. all of the all the like plastic containment that you see with like nuclear sites and everything so like it evokes like Mm -hmm. it it simultaneously is evoking like contamination radiation and and the unknown and i think one thing we'll talk about in, in some of the later minutes is that it's set up as though like this is the sterile place like here's where we're safe and we see a couple of times over these next five minutes how easy it is to break through that Mm mm-hmm yeah, which I guess I mean it, it, to that end, it's kind of like spaceships, right? Where you know they they say that it's a, it's such a thin, almost you know, paper sort of thing that's between you and space that could just so easily rip off. But it's enough protection to keep mm-hmm. the germs out or whatever the radiation. It's uh, it's interesting, and and we'll see that as as we progress and, and move into it, we'll actually see that there is some attempt at kind of sealing things off, which is interesting because. They certainly don't bother sealing off Mjolnir <laughs> in the middle, right. mm-hmm. uh, but so much of the rest of it is sealed off. Um, uh, so it's it's a very interesting thing that they have going on here. Because I mean, even the people aren't like they're not in suits that would say we need to be protected from something. So it's uh, it's interesting. I have a sense of what's going on here, but I'm wondering for those of you who know the comics more. Is this like visual of like that hamster maze and the white tunnels? Is that something we see when Shield goes to a site and like sets up a you know base in a can kind of a thing? It's not striking me that that's something that's commonly used. Um, as I think through, okay, I can picture it in some of the Ultimate comics, but not, nothing specific. Like I can imagine that being the visual that they would go for because it it does kind of have a early two thousands 
you know, we are containing, we're, we're watching for contamination kind of vibe. Um, but that like, that's a vague association. I'm thinking like maybe ultimate fantastic four because they were doing interdimensional stuff. Um, they might've done that sort of, mm. sort of thing. But I, like I said, I can't think of a, a very specific example and nothing, nothing associating to Thor in particular. Cause one thing that, that comes to my mind is that it, it may not be that like, you know, shield might just have like a once, you know, put the lab on the truck and like, you know, enough times they need containment that this is what they have you know here it's like a little bit overkill but it's what <laughs> they have on the truck so it's what they show up in new mexico with that's what strikes me as as this whole design which is i my, in, i don't know when i see it my sense is that they went for something that looked like it was a quick setup because i mean we know that this was all put together in less than 12 hours from the time colson arrived at the site to when jane and thor arrive in the evening and this whole thing is set up i mean it's all you know, half a day and uh, probably even less time. And so it, it's it, my sense was that they had to come up with something that felt like it could be assembled very quickly. And yeah, whether it's for containment or not, I guess it's just the quickest tool they have. Well, And then and I guess this is later on when we see like the they, they definitely have like a mobile base of operations, which looks like it's pretty much the size of a like a shipping container right so right. it could be on the on the back of a a large truck and just drives it in and then they plug everything in and so like the the base of operations with all the technology and the computers and everything is disconnected from this sterilization setup yeah mm. Right, right. Now, is uh, as I'm like thinking through in the the MCU when we see this kind of like visual language being used again. The only thing that kind of strikes me is in WandaVision, which is again like a, a real quick uh, set it up to for for containment because we don't quite know what's going on. Uh, I, now I've only watched that series once, but it feels like some of the visuals are definitely evocative of some of what we see with the, this version of Shields. You know, setting up a, a barrier or a containment area. I think it's definitely true. Um, and so then we see that whatever high tech stuff they have, clearly the security system is not very high tech because we have, you know, the camera points, to, the, the light goes right on Jane, she ducks, and <laughs> then it, just everything moves on. You know, like there's no motion sensors, there's no high tech security gear. It's just, is the security guard looking the right way or not? Some alarm went off. Well, I mean, the alarm was off, but when they spot, when like the, the, when the searchlight, I think what Matthew's saying is when the searchlight goes past Jane, like nobody reacts that, oh, we, we see somebody ducking out there in the, in the brush. Oh, right. Uh, like she just ducks and nobody, I mean, yeah, nobody does anything. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's such a, that's such a searchlight trope, right? I mean, it's one of those things, the searchlight moves past people, they duck real quick and we know they're safe. Mm-hmm. So, so then we get to see Thor and he looks in his element. He's having a lot of fun here, clearly. But I thought this was a very interesting scene because, you know, when we've seen Thor go into battle before, like, he did not sneak around into Jotunheim. He walked in, holding his hammer, saying, hey, everybody, I'm here. Let's have a fight. And, and so I think it's kind of interesting that he's sneaking around so much in this. Is it just that he always has at least a little bit of a strategic sense? Or do we think this is him having some awareness that, like, hospital orderlies have been winning fights against him? Like, maybe he shouldn't do as normal? Like, what? What's happening to make Thor be in such a different attitude in this fight? I think I think you're right. He's just a little apprehensive because he's not sure what his capacity is in in this environment. You know, like you said, with the hospital order, orderlies and everything, he's mm-hmm. like, OK, I can't fight the way I normally fight. So I've got to do something a little bit different. And and I mean, that only really lasts until he's in the light. So as long as he has darkness, he's going to take advantage of darkness in this co- in this case. I've got to say also, like the two guards who just leave the entrance, that's 
the least effective thing to do. It's like, okay, there's a breach. Okay, let's go join the search and leave our posts. It's like, no, there's other people running around. You don't have to start running around too. Uh, my my sense was just, uh, it, it might've been more for efficiency um, that, it, you know, his whole purpose here isn't to get in a fight. His purpose is to go get Mjolnir. Right. And so the, the fight would just slow him down. Not that he's scared of the fight, obviously. He kind of revels in it once the fight starts. Uh, but if he could get to Mjolnir before the fight, he'd be happier getting to Mjolnir before the fight. Yeah, he wants to sneak in, fight out. Yeah, I think that makes sense makes sense yeah once he has me all near there's no more hiding everyone can come to him and he'll have fun with him exactly uh, and then of course we get that, that great phone call with jane and eric and uh uh andy you you pointed out something that i didn't hear before but once you pointed out i did hear it this time we listened to the minute what what did you hear uh, with the voicemail well so what i think is really interesting and it's hard to tell because when jane calls eric to leave him this message the, the signal's a little bit broken up, but I swear that Eric says, you've reached Dr. Eric Selvage, not Selvig. And I have always said Selvig, but I swear he says that. And I, 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 I played it back so many times to the point where I started thinking it wasn't even in English anymore. But I think that's, I really think that's what it is. And I think that's how you pronounce his last name, Selvage. You reached Dr. Eric Selvage. Always oh, said it Selvig as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I don't know anyone who's ever said Selvig. <laughs> I feel like Selvig is said clearly at some point, either in this movie or, or other movies. So I think so I think there there will be clarity somewhere. It's entirely possible, yeah. But is it by someone else or is it by him? That's you know, yeah, does Nick Fury say Selvig? I think there's a, a clarifying statement of it later on, and so I'm gonna chalk it up to the the crackle. <laughs> okay. Um, in the in the damaged yeah. audio in this one, because um, I've only ever heard it said Selvig. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I definitely hear other people use Selvig, and he might even say Selvig himself. You know, that being said, I, I uh, some colleagues of mine wrote a number of different pieces about how, especially if you are from a foreign country, how much do you sort of fight to have people pronounce your name properly and like choosing your battles? And I I think the idea of someone who like on his own voicemail is going to pronounce it properly. But when Americans are constantly getting it wrong, is just like, fine, you call me Selvig. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but who knows? Yeah, I mean, that, that could have been the actor having a little bit of fun or or like you said, just static. Yeah, right, right. So and then we get the great Jane phone call. Uh, and, and from you all, uh just remind people, if you haven't seen it a bit, this is where she says, don't worry, I'm fine. Just in case you don't hear from me in the next hour, just come by the crater site and try to find me, okay? Uh, which raises its own questions, but then says, and again, it's very casual, no big deal. I did exactly what you told me not to. Sorry. And then we kind of move on with our lives. What, what do you, what is it you love about this? Um, I, I, it's a, it's a wonder. And she does it all in one take. So none of the comedy is being found in the editing or adjusting the timing. So all this is her timing and it's really fantastic. And that last bit, you know, the little coda of, I did exactly what you told me not to do. That's one of those lines of dialogue that is funny in and of itself, but is also the revealing of a, of a larger relationship. You know, it's one of those iceberg lines where, where we're seeing a tip and, and that tip is actually going to make us react and give us the comedy that we're looking for. But it actually does say something about um her relationship with her her advisor right and and uh the, how this isn't as formal as a lot of academic relationships would be like there there is a camaraderie or a friendship and also a a, a lot of familiarity uh that, that must exist between these yeah, characters yeah. right and and with that familiarity it like she's indicating like this should not surprise you a ton i was impulsive and <laughs> did not think this through and so so it reveals a pattern of impulsivity 
um, for her, which I think is born through what you've seen prior to this and and later on in the film. It's like, okay, yeah, she is kind of impulsive. All the time, yeah, all the time. I think that's definitely true. And, and what I get there is the, it, it's one part the impulsiveness and the the sense, and it's also just like, like you said, the, the, the relationship with her and Selvig, you know? We talked in an earlier minute about how it's not really paternal because it's more like professional but it's also like mentor mentee and that he has a sort of protectiveness about her like i can very easily hear 17 year old jane using this exact tone with her dad you know like oh i'm gonna be late for dinner i did exactly what you told me not to do sorry uh you know it's that kind of attitude towards it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yeah, so we get to the end of that phone call, and now we are back to Thor being sneaky. Uh, Andy, kind of walk us through exactly what you see here. Yeah, I spent way too much time on these on this stretch of five minutes mapping out exactly where Thor was and what he was doing. It was just like this rabbit hole I went down tracing tracing all this. It was nuts. So, so I mean, he's next to this. It looks like a big generator, and he goes. I think he goes under the generator. We see him kind of under something hiding, mm-hmm. and then as all these agents run by, he kind of. Uh, goes past it and goes to at the end of the hamster cage there's like this gray box entrance thing and that's where those two guards were standing before they ran off and for some reason like you know we hear some walla uh, kind of which is the the um audio of people speaking that's recorded later uh, we hear someone say bravo quadrant move so i was like well maybe they're part of bravo quadrant and they were supposed to move but anyway thor goes past that and then he goes back over to the fence right and 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 then he'll end up hiding behind some stuff by the fence to to look at the other entrance so i'm not exactly sure oh okay what his plan is here but he's largely trying to kind of move around this courtyard trying to get to what is the open entrance there is this big open entrance on the south end of the actual complex yeah so then we we pull back from the hamster wheel for a sec the hamster cage and we see the the lightning again uh and and we hear it and we're getting again this kind of the the worm's eye view or as i call it the mjolnir's eye view <laughs> to me this just it, it's a great movie making of like there's a sense of building tension here, you know, like you really get the sense that like everyone's sneaking around, but something big is coming. I like the camera angles that you're pointing out i I think it is well paced for creating that sense of tension i think if like andy just said you're trying to map exactly what thor's actions are it does start to break down a little bit in like wait a second <laughs> what is the big picture here of, of what exactly is once you're once you're in those tubes yeah right. and even yeah. like uh it, exactly, there's one yeah. shot where thor is running across uh like a wide open area to get up to the steps and he like swipes like he's pulling his hood up but he misses <laughs> and nothing happens right. so his head just kind of waves above his head uh you know and they kept that that they must like to run in that in that particular take well <laughs> and then later on you also get the moment where his shirt gets almost pulled up over his head and it's like no we're just gonna keep it and he has to like shrug his shoulders to to pull it back down like it works right it, it seems kind of authentic i do also really like um i think it's right before he runs across the the open space is there's some thunder and he smiles and he like he feels like things are going right. He's like, okay, like I'm getting close to millionaire. The, the storm is coming. This is how it should be. I, I I'm in my element. What I love about that is like, cause that's right after that moment when that Matthew was just talking about where we see Mjolnir, the lightning strikes. And what I love about the sound design here is that they include this interesting hum, 
when we see as soon as the lightning strikes, it starts this hum and we're looking at Mjolnir and it just the hum kind of slowly starts building. It starts low and kind of starts going up a little bit through that whole dolly shot of the as the scientists are looking at Mjolnir all the way to when Thor sees it and looks up and smiles. And it's just like the way that all of that kind of connects and builds that energy. It's I mean, it's very exciting. I think they do a great job of kind of tying all that together with all these different uh, tools here. Well, especially because for me, part of what it gives the sense of is that it's not that Thor's creating this lightning and thunder. It's not that Mjolnir's creating it. But when the two of them get close to each other, like things start happening, mm-hmm. you know? And I certainly I got the sense of he kind of recognizes, yeah, lightning and thunder's happening because God of Thunder's getting close to his thunder hammer. Um, and it's interesting because the more in the, in the next couple of minutes, but even here a bit, the, the original script wanted it to be much more specific, like that the hammer starts glowing and things like that as he gets close. And I really like this way. I like that it's subtle. I like that it's you can't, you have to sort of put the pieces together to realize that it's not that one of them's controlling everything. It's just that as they get close, you know, sparks start to fly. Well, and even with the, the sound design, I, I think one thing that actually works is there's some ambiguity as to what is diegetic and what's non-diegetic in the sound. Uh, like like the hum that you identify, is that yeah, part of the, right, the music right. score uh, soundtrack or is that part of what's coming out of Mjolnir at this moment? And the fact that it's ambiguous, I think, actually adds to uh, the, how well it works in the in this particular moment. Mm-hmm. I bring that up a lot when we hear Mjolnir because it always has that great ringing sound mm-hmm. with it. And I'm like, is, are, is everyone hearing that or is that just something that's for us? Because <laughs> I love it either way, but it is kind of fun to that ringing hum mm-hmm. kind of becomes like okay this is the sound that Mjolnir makes um and it like and it's not like when it turns on but it's something to that effect right when it's becoming active yeah, right, right. um like there is <laughs> some sort of thrumming ringing noise like, and, like, like and it the happens tone of a macbook turning yeah. on the oh. yeah <laughs> yeah or like um or like my computer when i plug it in it gives a little like boop Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's yeah, it's it's some sort of activation, powering on kind of thing. And but it also does it like when it's in use, um, like when when Thor throws it, it starts to do that that noise when especially when it comes back to him, right? He like throws it and then it, right. it like reaches yeah. a pitch and then it comes back to him. It's like okay, that's part of like the Mjolnir soundboard. Mm, yeah, yeah, which is very cool. It's it. I don't care if it's with the with actually people are hearing it or not. I just love hearing it. It's just yeah. such a great sound. I think of it as people before. hearing it. Yeah, I, I do too. I, yeah. But there there are a few times where I'm like, maybe they're not hearing it because there, there are a couple times in the film so far where I'm like, oh, maybe no one actually did hear that. Because we also hear it when the townies, when the first townie puts his hands on it. I'm like, is he, are they hearing this now? Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if everybody hears it or if it's just a Thor thing, but yeah, I think maybe sometimes it's not. But then, like as we get farther into the movies, like by Avengers, is like okay, I think this is the sound that the hammer makes, and I think people hear that sound. But yeah. maybe at this point, yeah. no. Well, it gives you time to move move your head out of the <laughs> way so it doesn't take your head off. Yeah, if you hear that sound, you move. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good thought, you know. Or or you're going to hear that sound a lot because when I think of like the hammer and ringing, like there's also a sense of like yeah, you get hit with this, your head's going to be ringing for a while if you're even conscious. Um, so so then we find that we see him like run across the 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 road and run into the complex, and and now it's raining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now it's, it's raining, raining. which yeah. makes his hair just look fantastic. And yeah, he missed the hoodie, but no one's complaining. <laughs> and then we get this shot of like, it looks like someone in black, some sort of shield agent, sees him and follows him in. Yeah, That's what you get out of that, right? I'm going to look at that one again. Yeah, that's what I got out of it. We, we see a number of people 
and we do hear some walla there's a shield agent and and some of the stuff i i hear them doing it and the only way i can actually translate what they're saying is by turning on the subtitles uh over on on uh, disney plus because it's it's so muddled it's just a bunch of sound but somebody actually says entering south tunnel so clearly someone spots him and they all start um, moving on him toward the south tunnel but see here's the thing i watched again very carefully that person's maybe two seconds behind him in terms of like running in. And then we see him like have this fight at the first like intersection for a good 10 seconds or so. And I keep waiting for someone to sneak up to come yeah. up from behind him. No, nobody does. And they never do. <laughs> right. Is it just that 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 person just kind of gets forgotten or do they like watch their buddies like, getting oh, their butts kicked? And go, yeah, well, they're, they're all right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean. Maybe well, maybe he's he's told to guard the entrance so he or so he doesn't come back out. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. It, it was so weird that it's such an it's so clear that someone sees him and then there's no significance to that. Um, yeah, but what do you think of the fight itself that we get to see here? I I mean I think it's good action. It, the, the fighting I will say it starts to feel a little bit generic uh, in this sequence where it's just a lot of bodies being thrown against each other um, for for a little bit. Um, I, I I think everyone's doing a good job, like with the the, the stunt. Uh, you know, the stunt actors are, are doing a fine job. Like it, it feels like there's real weight to, to all the, uh, the motions that are being done and not sometimes, you know, the, you, you can feel the punches being pulled uh, in some sequences. I'm definitely not having a problem with that. It's just in, in these five minutes, there's a lot of bodies being thrown against each other and it does start to feel a little, um, a, a little uh, too familiar as far as what these action beats are going to be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of takes the first one down, like throws him over him his shoulders, and then grabs the other one, and like uh, that's the, that's the guy who grabs him and pulls essentially pulls the rain slicker off, yeah. mm-hmm. accidentally as he's as he's trying to grab Thor, mm-hmm. and also pulls his shirt up for that brief second. Um, so yeah, I mean you're right; it does feel a little generic. Like nothing in this stands out as uh, kind of an overly exciting fight. I guess I don't know. I, I feel like that these five minutes are or may maybe kind of three and a half minutes, the the first three and a half minutes we're going to be talking about with this fight. It feels like it's building to that end fight that we have. Um, you know, and these are just kind of the lead up to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just to, feel to the boss battle, right? Yeah. The bot, yeah. right. Exactly. These are the, the early video game minions that you've got to go through. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they don't feel that exciting yet. And what, what also struck me though, and I think this is very intentional. You're right. It's kind of generic, but, and I wish, yeah, maybe it could mix it up a little bit. But mostly what I get is this feels like a hero, like a secret agent man, not like a super powered being. Mm -hmm. You know, this is still people are knocking him down. He's knocking them down. He's clearly a better fighter. But it doesn't this isn't this doesn't look like a god fighting men, you know, and also this is a brawler like like he's just brawling in this. He's mm-hmm, not yeah. summoning any powers. It's just right. uh, how bad how hard can I crash my body against your body? That, exactly. Yeah, it, it like it's, it is fully like body to body, which is, is definitely a contrast to the previous fight that he was in where he doesn't put his body into anything. He, he's just using the hammer. And so mm-hmm. I think a little bit of it is like, OK, he is still competent in fighting this way but he's not as comfortable with it like he really is kind of just a brute with this where it's like well i can lift this guy over my shoulder so i'm gonna lift this guy over my shoulder like i'm strong enough to do this but he he takes the hits too you know like like i can i can take these hits and so it is like it's not a super finessed kind of fighting right he he doesn't 
he does not dodge punches. He leans into them. It's an interesting point um, because I, I, I guess when you think back on it, like it generally has always been fighting with his hammer in hand. Rarely do we see him actually doing anything without. And so uh, it's it's it is interesting to kind of him kind of see him in this place where he has to go old school. You know, it, to me, it's that he has to go old school, but also. I think it so underlines like Thor without his hammer. You know, Thor, not just that he doesn't have the hammer uh, for the fighting style, but he doesn't have his power. You know, this is not the person who has the strength of a hundred men and can knock a Yoden, like Frost Giant, uh, 200 feet across a, a battlefield. You know, this is a well-trained human being who is very good at fighting and can kick the ass of other people. But there's nothing in him that makes you go like, oh, wow, that's that's beyond human capability. You know, it's like, it's like watching Schwarzenegger fight instead of watching a god fight. <laughs> Which I was just, it was just kind of a, a, a fun reminder of what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. We do get some a weird thing that happens in the script that, Andy, I know you picked up. Um, in the script, he's supposed to have this moment where, like, someone drops an assault rifle and you see him pick it up. And there's supposed to be this moment of, like, wait, is he going to shoot people? But then he takes the rifle and he throws it like a hammer. Um, and he winds up, like, causing an ATV to crash. And I'd say there's sometimes where I see I read something in the script and I think that'd be great. I, I'm pretty happy I didn't have to see him, like, holding an assault rifle and throwing it. That just seems like it, it would not really help in any way. It's I mean, it's an oddly scripted moment the way because it's like he looks at the gun like, what is this tool? Like, he really has no idea what it is as he looks at it, uh, you know, very quizzically. And so, yeah, when this ATV driver spots him and shines his light on him, he he turns the the rifle around and then throws it like a hammer to knock out the lights, which causes this guy to crash. Um, so it is a strange moment that's in the script. And interestingly, they, they must have shot it and then decided that they didn't, that it didn't play well, because we will actually see the crashed ATV, because what it does is it goes over the edge of the crater and crashes into um, one of the uh, hamster, one of the tunnels of the hamster cage and, um, and tears a big hole in it. And so we'll actually, that's that's the hole behind Colson later. That's the hole behind Colson later. And you can see the Mm. the ATV on the ground below it. Uh And so, yeah. And so, uh, and we'll see it again when, uh, when we have uh, Barton up in the, up in his uh, little crate. Yeah, I wonder if they thought, like, do we have to keep reminding the audience of his alienness, his lack of familiarity? And they probably decided, you know what, we don't need to go to that well too often. It's pretty well established yeah. <laughs> that, that he's not of Earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and it seems it seems like an odd moment to just have him looking at it so quizzically. And then, it, you know, that would have ruined the, the joke in Ragnarok when uh, Scourge comes back with his... With his two guns. <laughs> oh, so they were playing the long game and cutting it. They're like, you know what? Um, I think. That's right. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> I think sure in they three films. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a killer joke. <laughs> you, you're right about Ragnarok, but even just in a couple of minutes, we're gonna see a moment where a character who we do not associate with guns reaches for a gun for half a second. So yeah, uh, right. <laughs> and in the script, it goes a very different direction. So well, I, and, and I think one of the other things is I like that it's not there because it also makes Thor kind of dumb. In a way that it like, as, especially in this movie, like, I think he's a little bit smarter in this movie than he is in the other movies. Um, mm-hmm. Like he, at, at least interpersonally, like he understands other people a lot better in this movie than he seems to in some of the other movies. And, and he understands like, oh yeah, like these worlds aren't the same. There's stuff that I don't understand and I can get that. I'm still going to try and do my thing. And, and like, I'm going to push, why don't you guys understand me? But in later movies, like he's kind of a dummy. 
in a lot of cases. And so when you describe that scene, I was like, <laughs> oh, that sounds like the way they would say like, oh, let's let's have a, a joke about Thor being kind of stupid um, and not knowing how something works. Yeah. And so he does something in a, in a dumb way. Yeah, it, I, honestly, it sounds kind of like a Joss Whedon um, Thor joke. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think it's fair. Um, like like when he steps on the Legos in in Age of Ultron. Oh God, yeah. And it's like I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and it's like okay, Joss. Like like he's competent in like knowing that he made a mistake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all true. I think the one other thing that that for me I'm very happy. And I don't know if this was intentional by Branagh or just a, a nice side effect. You know, one of my podcasts is called Superhero Ethics, and, and a topic I really am interested in is sort of the when our hero is fighting against people who aren't evil, they're just kind of doing their job, but getting in the way of our protagonist. Like, what level of violence does he do against them? Because, you know, if, like, the cops are generally doing a decent job, they think you are guilty of something. If our hero kills them, like, we're not going to look that great at them. And I kind of feel like there's an intentional, like, him picking up a gun, even if he doesn't fire it, or causing cars to crash. Like, now we're getting closer to, like, he could seriously injure or kill people. Um, and, and I'm kind of glad also they stayed away from it, because it, 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 to me, it really feels like Thor is like, I will damage people enough to get them out of my way, but he's not, he's not coming in here to, like, punish S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. He doesn't want to kill them. He understands they're just doing their job. He just needs to get to, to his hammer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and it also immediately changes the stakes of like Coulson telling Hawkeye to hold off and yeah. and kind of like saying, I want to see how this plays out. Once Thor's picked up a gun, I don't think he can do that <laughs> any, anymore. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Because now it's like, I want to see if he kills some any of my agents. Like it's a much right. different kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, this is setting up so much. We're going to have so much to talk about over the next couple of days. Uh, but to, to both of you, Andrew and Joe, for our fans who are hearing you for the first time, they want to hear more of you. Where can they find some of the stuff you're creating? I, I would be at Disney Animation Minute Essentials primarily, uh, the podcast that I do with my wife for Disney animated movies one minute at a time. How far are you right now? <laughs> uh, we've only done two, and we're we're going out of order. We're bouncing around so that we wouldn't um, spend too long in the in the forties and fifties and everything. Um, and so we're only about to do our third film, which is like, what have you done so far? I'm curious. Oh, so we we did um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and then Little Mermaid, and we're going to be doing Hundred One Dalmatians next. Oh, great! Okay. So, if I want to hear your coverage of um, Under the Sea and uh, Little Mermaid or Aladdin, I'll check back in like 2026, 2027, something like that. I mean, all the Little Mermaid stuff's there, <laughs> but for Aladdin, it's probably going to be at least another five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And Joe, what about yourself? Um, I host the protagonist podcast. And the premise of that is that each week we're going to talk about a great character in a great story. And we try and rotate between uh, film and TV and novels and comic books. And also between kind of like the the canon uh, that, that everyone thinks is the great stuff and also the, the more pop culture fun stuff. And so it's kind of eclectic what we talk about each week, but it's always going to be talking about something that we love and kind of celebrating the great stories that are out there. Nice. Nice. Sounds awesome. I saw that a, a, a recent one well recent one at the time of the recording was the great pumpkin charlie brown yes that's, like, that's oh, one of our that's awesome, <laughs> that's our, awesome. <laughs> our most recent ones and uh you know it, it's uh we, we try and have fun whatever we're talking about if we're talking about something fun we're gonna try and get some depth and and get some insights and if we're talking about something that's like canonically known as like one of the great things we also try and have some fun laughs while we're talking about it so that hopefully there's always uh that mix of of oh i never thought about it that way and you get a few laughs along the way well i i definitely have some questions guys i was recently in a discussion about infinity war where i was making the case that i think thanos is the protagonist of that movie from from some points of view so 
All right, well, thank you to both of you, to our fans. As always, thank you so much. Please check out uh, both their creations. Check out all the other great things happening on the next Real Family of Podcasts. Of course, check out my podcast, Superhero Ethics, and the Star Wars Universe podcast. And most importantly, have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Music